And if he was someone in hardship, who? Who does he refer to? The one who has borrowed money from you. The one to whom you have lent some money to. If that person is ذو عسرة What does ذو mean? Possessor. One of. And عسرة from the root letters عين سين را عسر. What does that mean? Difficulty. Hardship. So if the debtor, the one who has taken the loan, if he is in some hardship, and because of that hardship, he is unable to pay back, to return the loan in time. So for example, the contract was made that I am giving you a thousand dollars and you return it to me by the end of this year, on this particular date. Okay, agreement was made, witnesses were there, the document was signed, the contract was made, It was everything was made official. But then what happens? By the end of the year, he calls you and he says, I'm really sorry, I've been going through tough times, I haven't been able to save up enough money to return your money to you. So in this case, what should you do? What do people typically do? They increase the interest rate. That's what happens typically, that the interest rate is increased. Or a person is fined then. That okay, now you have to pay $50 fine. Now you have to pay $10 fine. But Allah says that in كَانَدُوا عُسْرَةٍ If a person is someone in difficulty, he's going through financial hardship, then what are you supposed to do? فَنَظِعَةٌ إِلَى مَيْسَرَةٍ نَظِعَةٌ From the root letters نُنْظَرَ And نَظَرَ is to look, to see. And نَظِرَ is to give respite, to give time to someone. To give chance to someone. So نَظِرَةٌ إِلَى مَيْسَرَةٍ Meaning, delay and defer the payment until مَيْسَرَةٍ مَيْسَرَةٍ Time of ease. يَا سِينْ رَى يُسْر What does يُسْر mean? Ease. He was in عُسْر. Give him some time until he is in يُسْر and he can give you the money back. Don't fine him. Don't tax him. Don't charge him. Give him some more time until he is able to pay back the loan. And Allah says, وَأَنْتَ صَدَّقُوا And if you give in charity, تَصَدَّقُوا from صَدَّقَ صَدَّ الْقَابِ Meaning if you forgive the loan altogether, you say, it's okay brother, you don't have to pay me back those thousand dollars, it's okay. وَأَنْتَ صَدَّقُوا Allah says, خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It is best for you. Not the one who has borrowed the money, but on you who has lent that money. How is it best for you? Because you will get much more reward. وَأَنْتَ صَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If you only know. If you knew, then you would give in charity altogether. You wouldn't even demand that loan back. And something that can help us forgive that loan is the realization that if I did not use this money for this whole year, for this whole period, then that means I can live without it. That if you could afford to lend someone a thousand dollars for an entire year, and by the end of the year they said, please give me six more months, and you give them six more months, so that means that for a year and a half, you didn't need that money. You did without that money. So that means you can live without it. If you can live without it, that means you can give it all in charity. And if you give all of it in charity, Allah says that is much better for you. In kuntum ta'lamun. So you see, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do is the exact opposite of riba. Riba is taking, benefiting from the other. But Allah wants us to 
care about others. Give to them. Help them. Give them time. And forgive them. وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Listen to this beautiful hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever gives time to a debtor facing hard times, he will gain charity of equal amount for each day that he gives. That a person gives to another a thousand dollars as a loan, and it was to be returned by the end of the year. And by the end of the year, the person says, I'm sorry, I don't have enough to pay you back. He says, it's okay, take another month. So for every single day of the month, it's as though he has given a thousand dollars in charity. For every day that he defers, that he allows, it's as though he is giving that amount in charity. See how generous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is? But those who think about worldly benefits only, they feel that all oh, the value of their money is deteriorating, so that's what they have to charge them interest. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases the reward for you on the other hand. Another hadith tells us that whoever removes a worldly hardship from a believer, then Allah will remove one of the hardships of the day of resurrection from him. Whoever grants respite to a debtor who is in difficulty, then Allah will grant him relief in this world and in the hereafter. You give time to a debtor, someone who is not able to pay off their loan, you give more time to them, give more chances to them, then Allah will remove difficulties from you in this world and in the hereafter. And whoever conceals the fault of a Muslim in this world, Allah will conceal him his faults in this world and in the hereafter. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah will help a person so long as he is helping his brother. So for every day that you help the person, you say, it's okay. You can give it to me next week. It's okay. Give it to me next month. It's okay. Give it to me after six months. I understand. No big deal. I don't need that money right away. Then it's as though that amount of money you're giving in charity every single day. This is a great opportunity to earn reward. A great opportunity. How many of us can afford to give a thousand dollars in charity every single day? We can't do that. But if we have managed to save up enough money that we can help someone, we can lend some money to them and give them time to pay that off so that you can get reward every single day. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever gives time to his debtor, he increases the time for him. Or he forgives the debt. He says, it's okay, don't even pay me back. Then he will be in the shade of the throne of Allah on the day of resurrection. This person will be under the shade of the throne of Allah on the day of judgment. Another hadith tells us that from among the people preceding your generation, meaning there was a person in the past, once upon a time, there was a man whom the angel of death visited to capture his soul. The angel of death came to him to take his soul. So his soul was taken. And he was asked, meaning the angel, asked that person if he had done any good deed. Can you think of some good deed that you've done? on the basis of which maybe Allah will forgive you? So imagine the angel is asking the person. And he replied, I don't remember any good deed. He was asked to think it over. Think again. Maybe you've done something on the basis of which Allah will forgive you? So that person said, I don't remember, except that I used to trade with people in the world. And I used to give respite to the rich and forgive the poor among my debtors. If someone owed me money and they were rich, then I would give them more time. And if they were poor, then I would forgive them 
altogether. So Allah made him enter Jannah. But what do we think at these times? Oh, this person is using me. They're exploiting me. We think that we're becoming smaller. We're being used. We're being a pushover. They say they can't give me my money back. And here I am listening to them. Letting them go again. This is not fair. But at that time, a person should remember the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The promise of reward, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of honor, the promise of Jannah. Another hadith tells us that a man used to give loans to the people and he used to say to his servant that if the debtor is poor, forgive him so that Allah may forgive us. If the debtor is poor, forgive him. Don't ask him to bring the money back. Why? So that Allah may forgive us. The Prophet ﷺ said, so when he met Allah, Allah forgave him. When this person died and he met Allah, then Allah forgave him. You know, sometimes it happens that a person borrows something from you. Not just money. Could be your dress, could be a book. You know, could be something that you own, something that you like. They borrow it from you. And you can see that they like it. They like using it. They like to keep it. And they tell you, I'll give it to you tomorrow. The next day they call you, they say, can I please have it for one more day? Please. And you say, okay. Then they ask you again. They send you a text message. Can I please have it one more day? And you're like, okay. So every day that you let them keep it, it's as though you are giving that in charity. And when you give something that you love in charity, then you attain birr. Because لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تَحِبُّونَ Allah wants you to spend that which you love. And then if you give it to the person, you say, Keep it. It's for you. Then this is a means of honor and forgiveness and much reward for you in this dunya and in the hereafter. Because when you think about the other person, put yourself in the shoes of the other person. You're struggling. You're barely able to maintain your own expenses. And you have to return money to someone. You're hardly able to get by day to day and you're supposed to give back money to someone. How can you do that? And if somebody says, it's okay, one more day. It's okay, one more week. Aren't you relieved? Aren't you so happy? Put yourself in the shoes of the other person. And if they say, it's okay, you don't have to return it to me, then how do you feel? You feel so relieved. I remember one of my friends, she needed something and we didn't get the time to buy new So I said, you know, I have this. It's used a little bit, but if you don't mind, you can take it. You're more than welcome. So she took it happily. And when I met her afterwards, she said, May Allah give you Jannah. She was so happy, the du'as that she was giving me. It was something used. I liked it. And I knew that she needed it. But because it fulfilled her need at that particular moment, she was so happy that she was giving me du'as from her heart. When you make someone happy, When you help them, then imagine Allah is even more happier with you. So that's what we need to do. Be caring about others. Want for others what we want for ourselves. Help others when they are in need and Allah will take care of us. Allah will fulfill our needs. So, وَإِن كَانَ ذُو عُسْرَةٍ فَنَظِرَةٌ إِلَى مَيْسَرَةٍ وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It's much better for you. Much more reward for you. 
Another hadith tells us that on the day of resurrection, one of Allah's servants will be called before him. And Allah will ask him, what deeds did you perform for me in your life? What did you do for my sake when you were alive? Because throughout the day, you know, we eat because we want to, we dress up because we want to, we cook because we want to, we clean because we want to, we go out because we want to, we sleep because we want to, and we forget to do things for Allah. So Allah will ask us on the Day of Judgment that what did you do for me, for my sake? So one person, Allah will ask him, what did you do for my sake? And he will say, oh Lord, in my life I have not performed a deed for your sake that equals an atom. Meaning I've hardly done anything for you. And that's the reality. If we truly ask ourselves, what is it that we do for Allah? It's like the size of an atom compared to the things that we do for ourselves. So this person, he will say that what I did for you is nothing but an atom's weight. He will say this three times. And the third time, the servant will add, O Lord, you granted me wealth. And I was a merchant. I was a businessman. And I used to be lenient, giving easy terms to those well-off, and giving time to the debtors who faced hard times. Allah will say, I am the most worthy of giving easy terms. You were easy with people. I am the most worthy of being easy. You know, of giving easy terms. Therefore, enter Jannah. You were lenient with people. I am more lenient. So the more lenient we are with people, the more lenient Allah will be with us. But what happens when we have to lend something to someone who becomes so stingy? We're like, oh, what if they break my dish? What if they burn my hijab? What if they lose it? What if they break it? They're not that careful, you know, when they're using things. If they use my phone, they might do this. If they use my house, they might do that. You know, we're so selfish, so worried about our possessions that we don't share with others. We don't lend. We don't let other people use them. And when a person shares his belongings with others, he's lenient with them, then Allah will be lenient with him. Why? Because it's a sign of great generosity. It's a sign of tawakkul ala Allah. It's a sign that a person is expecting reward from Allah. Once I remember, I was visiting Edmonton, and there were some friends of ours who had just moved to Edmonton recently, and they were still looking for a house. And they had some family friends over there, some acquaintances, and they had other acquaintances, and they said that, you know, they're traveling, they've gone for the summer, and they have left their house open, that if anybody wants to come and stay in that house, they're more than welcome to do so. So we just went to spend some time with them. So basically, together we went to somebody else's house, that was fully furnished, everything was there, their clothes, their furniture, their kitchen, their dishes, everything was like as a normal house is. And other people were living in that house, using that house freely. No charges, nothing at all. And at that time I felt that you really have to be big hearted to do something like that. You really have to be very generous in order to do something like that. That you're giving the keys of your house to someone else. Come, live in my house, use my sheets, go use my iron. You might break my dishes. You might spill something on my carpet. You know, your children might destroy my walls. 
Come use my telephone, use my television, use this, use that, use my internet, use my computer. Go ahead, you're free to do whatever you want in my house. Can you imagine? This is a big deal. And when a person does this, he's being so lenient with others, so generous. So when he is good to others, and Allah will be good to him. But sometimes we become so small-hearted that we're like, no, I can't share my hijab. I can't give you my pin. Last time I gave you my hijab pin, you know, the sparkly thing came off and you didn't even apologize. Last time I lent you my pen, you ruined the nib. This is what we do. We become so selfish, so small-hearted because we don't trust on Allah. And when we don't trust in Allah, then what do we expect from Allah? Allah says that I am as my servant. Thinks I am. So, وَأَنْتَ صَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It's much better for you. You be lenient with others, Allah will be lenient with you. Now there is one thing that we must remember when it comes to giving a loan to someone. When it comes to giving a loan to someone, then that means you cannot take anything back from them except what they owe you. Except for the principal amount. So if you gave them a thousand dollars, what should you take back from them? Only a thousand. Not a thousand and five dollars. Not a thousand and fifty dollars. Why? Because that extra money, what is that? Riba. That is interest. That extra benefit, that is interest. This is the reason why it has been said that a person cannot even receive a gift from the one he has given a loan to. Why? Because that gift may be a form of riba. That a person feels obliged to give you because you have done ihsan on them. You have lent them money. So they feel obligated to give you a gift. Do you see what I mean? Imam Abu Hanifa, he would not even sit under the shade of the wall that belonged to a person whom he had lent money to. Out of fear that it may be riba. That if I sit under that wall, benefiting from that shade, this person might feel it's okay for me to do that because I have lent him money. And if it was some other person, he might say, please don't sit here. This is my property. Don't trespass. But he won't say something to me because he owes me money. So a person is getting some kind of benefit. How? By giving a loan to someone. This is why a hadith says that when one of you gives a loan and then the debtor sends a present to him or carries him upon his animal, meaning he gives him a ride for free, then do not ride it nor accept the gift unless it was prevalent between them previous to it. Meaning unless this was you know, done even before. So for example, your sister borrows $50 from you. And generally, what happens is that whenever she wants to go somewhere, she borrows a hijab from you, or she borrows a bag from you, or she borrows shoes from you. This is something that you do as sisters. But she's borrowed $50 from you. Does it mean that you cannot take any benefit from her? Like you want to borrow her purse, or it's Eid, and she wants to give you a gift. You can't take that gift? You can. Why? Because this was a usual practice even prior to her taking money from you. So unless it was something done previously, then it can continue. But it should not begin then. 
Because it will be a form of riba. Then Allah says, وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا And fear a day. Fear that day. تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ When you all will be returned in it to Allah. تُرْجَعُونَ رَاجِمْعَيْنِ Ruju' to return. Fear that day when you will be returned to Allah. What is that day? The day of death. The day we die is the day that we return to Allah. The day of judgment, when that will be established, is the day when we will meet Allah. So fear that day when you're going to go and face Allah. Because that day, you will be answerable for what you did, for the choices that you made, for the decisions that you made. ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ Then every soul will be repaid, will be compensated for whatever that it has acquired. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And they will not be wronged. ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى What does this mean? Fully paid, fully given. Who? كُلُّ نَفْسٍ Every person, every soul, every human being will be given in full, will be compensated in full. For what? Ma kasabat. Whatever that person acquired. In other words, a person will be given the result of his deeds in full. And which deeds? All his deeds. Ma kasabat. Wahum la yuzlamun. And they will not be wrong. There will be no injustice on that day. So fear the day of judgment. That is a reality that will definitely come. And be careful about the decisions that you're making now. What kind of loans you are taking? What kind of money are you dealing with? What kind of purchases are you doing? A day will come when Allah will ask you, how did you earn your money? And how did you use it? Through what means did you acquire it? And in what ways did you spend it? Allah will ask you. This is one of the five questions that every person will be asked on the Day of Judgment. Where did you get your money from? How did you get it? And where did you spend it? How did you use it? And the questioning means that afterwards will be compensation. Afterwards will be result. When a person is questioned, then he is given his reward or punishment afterwards. So, ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ مَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And there will be no injustice on that day. Even if a person did an atom's weight of good, he will be rewarded for it. And even if a person did an atom's weight of wrong, he will be punished for it. Allah is very just. He is very, very just. Now sometimes it happens that someone owes you just a little bit of money. They have to return to you five dollars that they borrowed. But they don't give it back to you. You keep reminding them. You keep telling them. But they joke sometimes. Or they ignore you sometimes. Or they think that you are not serious about it. It happens, right? Especially amongst family and friends. And you want your money back. But at the end of the day, it's only a small amount. Don't worry. You will be rewarded for what you suffered. And the person who didn't return the loan, he will be held accountable for that as well. Unless you forgive. And if you forgive, what do we learn? That's much better. It's as though you have given that in charity for every single day. So, وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ There will be no injustice on that day at all. Any effort that a person made, he will be Recompensed for that. Now, ma kasabat. What does it mean by ma kasabat? Whatever he has earned, whatever the person has acquired. Kasb is what? What a person has achieved, what a person has gained through some amal, through some action. Remember, I mentioned to you earlier that 
either it is that he's been putting his mind at it or physical work, whatever it is, he's doing something in order to get some benefit in return. So ma kasabat, this includes the actions that a person has committed, this includes the wealth that a person has acquired, this includes the charity that a person has given, this includes the children that a person has had and he has raised, this includes the knowledge that a person has acquired and he has spread, he has taught, it includes everything that a person has acquired. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ There will be no injustice. Why? Because Allah is not unjust. He is very, very fair. Let's listen to the recitation. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَذَرُوا مَا بَقِيَ مِنَ الرِّبَا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ فَإِن لَّمْ تَفْعَلُوا فَأَذِنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَإِن تُبْتُمْ فَلَكُمْ رُؤُوسُ أَمْوَالِكُمْ لَا تَظْلِمُونَ وَلَا تُظْلَمُونَ وَإِن كَانَ ذُو عُسْرَةٍ فَنَظِرَةٌ إِلَى مَيْسَرَةٍ وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَّكُمْ إِن كُنتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَّا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ It is said that this ayah, the last ayah that we just learned right now, was According to one opinion, it was the last verse of the Qur'an that was revealed on the Prophet ﷺ. According to one opinion. And it is said that the Prophet ﷺ passed away seven days after this ayah was revealed. So a week after this ayah was revealed, that is when the Prophet ﷺ passed away. And if you think about it, in this ayah, there's such a great warning. Fear the day when you will be returned to Allah. Whether you want to go or not, whether you are ready or not, whether you have the courage or not, you have to go back. So fear that day and prepare for that day. Be careful about the decisions that you're making. Because on that day, every person will be given in full whatever he has earned. And people will not be treated with injustice at all. I want you to take... One minute right now, and write down, make a list of what is it that you have earned that is worth reward on the Day of Judgment. Whether it is some charity that we have given, a person whom we have forgiven, something that we lent and then we let go, some good deed we have done, make a list right now. What is it that is worth showing on the Day of Judgment. That you can say, Oh Allah, yes, I did this on the basis of which I hope that you will forgive me. I hope that you will reward me with Jannah. Hasibu qabla an tuhasabu. Call yourself to account before you are held accountable. So take one minute, focus, be silent, and write it down. I see some people are stuck. 
they cannot remember. Right now you are relaxed. You are given time to focus. Imagine you are standing before Allah and Allah is asking you. If we cannot remember now, you think we can remember then? Perhaps we cannot remember because we cannot think of anything that is worth mentioning. So this is a reality check. We keep telling ourselves that yes, I'll be fine on the Day of Judgment. Allah will forgive me. I pray salah. I wear hijab. I do this. I do that. But at the end of the day, really? Is it a great accomplishment or is it just average good deeds? This is an obligation anyway. We're supposed to do it anyway. What is it that we're doing on top of that? Extra. Ihsan. Something more on the basis of which we can expect, we can hope that Allah will forgive us. You know Imam Bukhari? He spent decades, decades in learning hadith. Traveling from city to city, scholar to scholar. Learning hadith. Memorizing them, studying them, researching them, analyzing the chains, teaching, recording. And then eventually he decided that he was going to compile the very best, the very pure, the most authentic ones. And even that he took so long to do to compile his book of the authentic hadith. And before he wrote any hadith, or before he wrote any chapter heading, he prayed two rakah. He prayed two rakah istikhara. That, oh Allah, if this is khair, if this is good, then give me tawfiq to do it. And if it's not, then lead me to that which is better. And you know what he said about that? That this is a book that I have prepared as a hujjah for myself. That on the Day of Judgment, inshallah, on the basis of this, I hope, I hope, not that I know, I hope that Allah will forgive me. We barely get through our prayers five times a day. We barely calculate our zakat. We hardly ever give charity. We think everything is fine. No. We need to be really honest with ourselves. Because ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ and ma'kasaba doesn't just include good works, good efforts, but it also includes the sins, the wrongs that a person has done. Now make a list of the sins that you know you have committed on the basis of which you might be finished on the Day of Judgment. Think now. I don't want you to show this paper to anyone else. You can go home and shred it. But I want you to put it in paper in front of you. The wrong things that you have done on the basis of which you could be ruined. Ruined on the Day of Judgment. And if Allah asks you, why did you do this? Then we know we don't have an answer. Allah says in the Quran, Allah has listed and enumerated the deeds of people and the people, they have forgotten them. We forget. We forget the number of times we have missed our prayers. We forget the number of times that we have slept through Fajr. We forget the number of times we have forgotten to thank someone. We forget the number of times we have lost the opportunities to give sadaqah, to spend in the way of Allah, to earn reward. We forget. We don't give importance to these shortcomings. And as a result, one leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. If we remembered 
our wrong deeds, then we wouldn't do them again. ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ People will not be wronged at all because that is the day of justice. So these lists are not meant to make you sad and depressed and feel horrible and guilty about yourselves. The purpose of this is to remind ourselves that we need to seek forgiveness and that we need to do more. We need to spend in the way of Allah. We need to work more. We need to strive more. We need to do more action. And if we realize this, and if we remember this, and we keep remembering this, then we can be successful. And if we forget about it, then we might be of those people who have forgotten ourselves, and those who forget themselves, then Allah also forgets them. Meaning Allah also abandons them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being of those people. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to share a story. I know a girl, she was mashallah, really pious girl. She was doing her prayers and reading Quran, doing the translation and everything. Mashallah, she was on the track. But after that, when she went to the university, she started becoming a vet doctor. And she spent her three years over there. And after that, she realized that it's not occupation she should go for. And after three years, she quit that and tried to go back to become a general physician. So what happened was for that three years, she had a death. And because she went into so much stress and she committed suicide three times in the hostel just because of that stress. And now that girl is nowhere. Like when I see her, I feel so bad for her that she's not on Dean anymore. She doesn't pray. She totally became an atheist. Just because the stress she went through, she had to pay her loan of school and her university. That how a person goes down and down and down. Because Larna, right? The curse of Allah. So a person goes far away from Allah. But imagine she's trying to commit suicide not once, not twice, three times. And then on top of that, losing faith as well. Because when a person goes into stress, he gives up hope in Allah. And then a time comes when he despairs of the mercy of Allah. Because shaitan takes over, right? We learned earlier, الشَّيْطَانُ يَعِدُكُمُ الْفَقْرَ One is that a person spends in the way of Allah as Allah wants, and the other is that a person spends in the way of shaitan as shaitan wants. So whoever's way you will spend on, you will go closer to him. When we look at all of the hadith and even the verses that talk about riba, I mean, it's very clear that it's something not acceptable at all. But unfortunately, it has become so common that because it's common, we think it's okay. If everybody's doing it, it better be okay. I know that person, that uncle who comes to the masjid and that auntie who comes to the school, I mean, everybody does it, so it must be okay. And the Prophet ﷺ said that, that a time will come that no person will be safe from consuming riba. Everyone will be involved in devouring riba. And if a person is not devouring riba, then at least its effect will come on him. And we see that, that it's so common that if you want to keep money in your bank, you're forced to accept riba. So it has become that common. So we need to run away from it as much as possible. Just as there is a trend of doing that which is wrong, we need to start a trend of doing that which is lawful. So that others also get encouraged by it. 
Remember that when we indulge in these things and other people, they get encouraged as well. Because when one person does something wrong, then another is encouraged to do that wrong as well. Your doing wrong is going to lead someone else to doing wrong as well. But if we are in this problem, if we are in this mess, then don't give up, don't lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because where the warning is given, at the same time, we see that tawbah is also mentioned. And remember that whoever fears Allah, then Allah will make a way out for him. I remember once this sister was complaining to my mother about how you know she wants to get out of debt and you know interest and all of that, but she says, my husband doesn't listen and my husband keeps getting into one thing after the other. So she said to her, that the day you make your mind, you make that intention that you really sincerely want to get out of it, then Allah will help you come out of it. The problem is that when the men make such a decision of buying a bigger house, buying another property, it's because the women are driving them crazy. I want a nicer house. I want a bigger house. Oh, look at that family. Look at this family. We want more. This is why the husbands feel obligated to get more. So we need to make our mind, our intention firm, that I want to get out of this haram. Whoever fears Allah, whoever trusts in Allah, then Allah will make a way out for him. And Allah will provide him from where he cannot even imagine. The halal will have more barakah. A person will find a better option. But you have to make up your mind. Seriously, how many times is it that we go to the bank to ask about what the best decision is? And how many times is it that we ask Allah to show us the best way? We look at other people, we discuss with others, we go to the banks, but we don't make dua to Allah that, Oh Allah, you provide. You show me, you tell me what to do, you guide me. And when a person wants to live a life of halal, then Allah will make it possible for him as well. Yes, things might be difficult. There might be a lot of sacrifice involved. But Allah does not waste the reward of those who are patient. Assalamu alaikum. Once uh, my husband had a lot of loan on his credit cards and stuff, and uh, I was always paying it off, and obviously it wasn't going anywhere because it had interest building on it. So I would always think about it, and I knew since day one that riba is wrong. And I was comfortable at the same time thinking, oh, he took it when I wasn't in his life. So it's not about me. I'm not going to be held accountable for it. But since we are husband and wife and we look for each other, and we want to be together hereafter as well. So I was really thinking about it. And then one day I started making dua, sincere dua. And I used to read, Allahumma akfini bi halalika and haramika wa fadlika man siwaq, which is purely for loan. If you had a loan, big or small, whatever. Uh, the translation of this dua is that, oh Allah, Make your halal sufficient for me. Like, make me free from haram. Allahumma kfini bi halalika and haramika wa aghnini min fadlika amman siwak. That enrich me, give me more from your fadl. And make me independent of others. Make me depend only on you and not on others. So I read that dua for literally like two days. And uh, subhanAllah, like my sister-in-law came to me out of nowhere, and she knew that we had loan and everything. And she lent me $5,000. $5,000 is a huge amount for me at least. And she never took it back from me. She let it go. And still to this day, I think about it and I think, how, you know, 
see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and how close Allah is to you. All you need to do is sincerely ask Him. $5,000 was a huge amount for me, but it wasn't for Him. So He put in people's heart and She did it for me. And I didn't even have to pay back to her. So, you know, like if we have a close connection to Allah, if we have tawakkal in Allah, no matter how big the situation is, how big the loan is, if you have the pure intention, Allah helps out. There's another dua for um, Dane, and I think it's in your Iliakinastarin book. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-huzn, wal-ajzi wal-kasal, wal-bukhli wal-jub, wal-dhul'i al-dain, wal-ghalibat al-rijal. So basically it means that, oh Allah, I seek refuge from, with you from sadness and grief, from feebleness, laziness, from miserliness, cowardice, and from burden of death, and from the oppression of men. So again, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum. Um, when we were writing our list for how many good or bad deeds we did, when I wrote my list of good deeds, I was trying to think of it. It really hit me that, you know, when you're trying to decide what deeds are actually noteworthy, what deeds are actually worth bringing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, you know, Ya Allah, I actually did something. Can you forgive me because of this? Um, I realized that a lot of the deeds that I thought, you know, were noteworthy were actually just obligations on me. For example, if I help my parents... My parents have a right on me, you know, doing something around the house and stuff. Like, a lot of things I have to do. They're a part of my obligation. But when I thought, you know, what's actually noteworthy? And I thought of Imam Bukhari, how he wrote the book. It wasn't an obligation on him. What he did was something so amazing that it saved generations after. So it made me really think that to reach that level, I have to be able to do a deed that is, you know, that level of ihsan, something that is so high that it can actually save me and bring Allah's forgiveness to me. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayats. Alladheena <laughs> فَمَن جَاءَهُ مَوْعِظَةٌ مِّن رَّبِّهِ فَانتَهَى فَلَهُ مَا سَلَفَ وَأَمْرُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَمَن عَادَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ يمحق الله الربا ويربي الصدقات والله لا يحب كل كفار اثيم ان الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واقاموا الصلاه واتوا الزكاه لهم اجرهم لهم أجرهم عند ربهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وذروا ما بقي من الربا إن كنتم مؤمنين فَإِن لَّمْ تَفْعَلُوا فَأَذِنُوا بِحَرْبٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَإِن تُبْتُمْ فَلَكُمْ رُؤُوسُ أَمْوَالِكُمْ لَا تَظْلِمُونَ وَلَا تُظْلَمُونَ 